Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you guys here. Really exciting morning. Uh, we're interviewing Dan and Lil Smoker, sharing the whole story of Dan's fall and amazing recovery. And a lot of Dan's family is here. Let's just give it up for Dan's family really quick. So uh, before we get to that, we have a couple things in the service that are going to happen. Um, this week, we are starting a four-week initiative, and to introduce that, we're going to watch this quick video that shows you several of the significant prophetic words our church has gotten um, since its beginning. Now, the first prophetic word is from 1994. This church actually started in 2001. So the first word was to the senior leaders, my parents, before um, they planted it, but it gives you some context, and there's a bunch of really cool things that God has been speaking over this church for years uh, leading up to what we're announcing today. So watch this video and I'll be back up. I saw the two of you being launched from an aircraft carrier in an F-14. I also saw you land the plane back on the aircraft carrier. That means God has vouchsafed, promised or guaranteed the completion of your mission. I will forge my church out of broken people. When this church is forced, no one will wonder who its daddy is. This church body comes into worship fully expecting and waiting on my presence. They know to look to the mountain, me, and they wait with expectation for the answer. Revival is coming to the Ohio Valley. Pittsburgh to Cincinnati, Eastern Indiana, and up to Detroit. There are times for people and places that are chosen for God's moment. God's doing a new thing here, but it's not really new. He's just calling us back to our roots. You're moving into a new model of ministry. Pay attention to your steps so you have a map for others to follow. You're more on the cutting edge than you realize. Fire in Cincinnati, the fierce love of God is moving in. The kind of love that will do anything just to be with his children. I saw the Lord standing on the stage, smiling with his hands held open. He said, I'm faithful to you and I will fulfill every promise I made. What we're experiencing is not just a visitation, but a movement of God. God's bringing the right people, intercessors and other gifted people to steward this new move of God. Miracles will be abundant. Prophetic worship and music CDs will go out from here. I heard the Lord say, I'm going to do some remodeling in this house. Be expected, let faith rise up. So I know that that last voice didn't sound like a 60-year-old man, but uh, no. Hey, we're excited. Um, this week, we have been ho holding the news, ready in anticipation, just working like crazy to announce to you guys that we're starting a four-week giving campaign called The Fresh Campaign. So if you see this slide, this is our new logo. So this right here is our old logo, and we're unveiling our new logo this week. One, two, three, bang! Look at that. So um, this is our new logo, and the word for this year is fresh. 
the word we felt like God was putting on our heart is that he's doing something fresh here. And so in line with that, we're doing like a church-wide refresh. Now, I'm going to explain more of what that's touching, some of our media, our facilities. We're looking to impact the opioid epidemic in Coleraine and Cincinnati. But before I go into explaining any of that, um, I'm going to turn it over to my dad, and he has some things to share with you. All right. Morning, everyone. So for the sake of brevity, I'm going to just do my best to read this without too much uh, side comment. But um, I do want to say this to start off with. One of our core, just core function points would be that faith is spelled R-I-S-K, okay? So uh, we, we, we recognize and believe firmly that the kingdom of God advances on the basis of risk. So let me, let me start into this. As Wilson said, we got the word fresh uh, as a guiding word for 2019 in a meeting that we had last fall. And at the beginning of this year, we planned to enter the fresh campaign. So uh, Wilson and a team he put together have been working very hard on this for several months now. But uh, when we're just about at the point to kick it off, something else came into play. And that was this, that this spring, our general fund uh, finances have been very tight. And a month or so ago, we looked at it and we thought, well, okay, um, we're close to hitting a point where our cash situation is seriously low. And uh, we hit that point last week. At that point, when we said that, we thought, okay, God can turn this around, so we're not going to change course. We're going to keep moving ahead. But uh, last week, we did have to dip in to our emergency reserve and use most of that. So... um, now, let me say this. We have a good budget. In our, we have a good annual budget put together. And giving is good. Thank you for all of you giving as you do. Um, but historically, the bulk of our giving comes in the last half of the year. And unfortunately, this year, a lot of our spending had to come in the first three, four months of, of, of this year. So that leaves us a little, um, little tight cash-wise. It didn't help that we had a couple of snow days in January either. Uh, this will turn around as the year go, you know, goes on. I believe that. And um, yet we do need to do something right now to get through the next couple of months. And so we've trimmed the budget significantly so that we're, we're cutting back spending. But we don't want to have to do that again uh, where we're going to negatively impact the, the incredible ministries and the great staff that we have here as a church. Well, consequently, we had to ask ourselves, should we go through with the fresh campaign? Because it doesn't seem like the right time to actually do it. And as we were pondering that, we had a PAC meeting, and the PAC is our pastoral advisory council. And so uh, Luke, who led worship on the keyboards this morning, Wilson and myself, and our three PAC members met. And um, as soon as it was all laid out, everybody just kind of like thought, well, okay, we can't do the fresh campaign right now. That doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and that's, that's where you have to start. You start off just looking at the facts. So we discussed it and we thought and we prayed and uh, we took a significant section of time of the meeting just for all of us. We all prayed out loud and just asking God and we're listening for what God wants to say. And um, even coming out of that, it seemed like the decision was clear that we had to postpone. But then as we discussed, at one point, Luke 
said, he said this, I'm going to try to read this, it's pretty close to a quote. He said, we all get it that the wise thing is to not do the campaign, but what is God saying? What if God's saying to do it? And then at that point, um, Rob, who's also on the pack, said, he said, when you just said that, something jumped inside me or stirred inside me. And, and he said more than this, but, but it, 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 it boiled down to this. He said, this doesn't make sense. That's why I think it's God. Okay. And, uh, you know, God says, march around that city seven times and I'm going to give you a victory. That doesn't make any sense. But if God says it, you do it. So um, the atmosphere in the meeting began to shift less than an hour goes by and we're all now, as we were convinced before that we had to postpone this, we are convinced now that God's saying, no, do it. What you have to do though is just put both of these things out there. You know, don't keep one off to the side. You have to just communicate with the, with the church body, both, both aspects of this. And so um, Dave said this at, right at the end of the meeting. He said, we all the time, we say that you spell faith, R-I-S-K, and we have to live by that too, meaning you know, we who are leading the church. And, and I want to say it does take risk. You never advance in anything without risk. And the kingdom of God does not advance without risk and sacrifice. And so uh, when you look at what, what we're called to do, though, the risk is worth it. And the sacrifice is more than worth it. And so when you realize that, that God has this powerful call for us and the, the exciting, impactful things he has for us at this point in time probably go beyond what any one of us can think of or conceive of. And so it, th this is a step of faith, but it's, it, it's, it's a real key step of faith for us as a church. So in spite of cash flow issues, we're doing the fresh campaign, okay? And uh, we're, we're just trusting God with the whole thing. I, I just bring these two things to you. First, please pray about our current budget situation. Uh, if, you can, if you can increase your giving, great, awesome. If, uh, if you pray, and that's what we'd encourage everyone, pray. Talk to God about it. Ask him what's he want you to do. And if you pray and you come back and say, you know, I prayed and I just don't think God wants me to increase, fine. God bless you. That's great too because you sought God on it. And you know, that's our main thing here is not what we do here in this room, but what, what you do, what we all do after we leave this room. Okay, so, um, so if, if you can shift some of your year-end giving to now, that would be great. If you're newer here and you haven't started giving yet, be a wonderful time to, to, to step into it and start giving. And, and I want to tell you this because we'll ne I'll never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And so Lori and I are going to increase our giving, our monthly giving by 10%. Now, not 10% of our income, but 10% of what we're already giving. We're increasing that by 10%. And um, uh, yeah, that's just so you know your leaders are, have integrity and are accountable to what we're presenting to you. But also, I want to say this. I want to back up and say this. Someone between services said to me, he's never heard someone with a great financial story that also wasn't a tither. And you could, whether you believe in tithing or just, you could say this, he's never heard anyone with a great financial story that wasn't giving sacrificially. And so by doing that, we're all entering into a deeper level of our walk with Jesus and, and a greater expression of the kingdom in our own lives. So the second thing is uh, we have exciting and powerful things on the horizon. They're moving towards us very quickly. 
And we need to be prepared to steward what God's doing here and is going to do well. And I believe this fresh campaign is a key part of us preparing to steward that. And so the difference here is the one point we've talked about has to do with regular, ongoing, weekly, biweekly, monthly, or if you get paid annually, whatever. We're talking about just regular sacrificial giving to support the ministries of the church. In a project like this, we're talking about a one-time above and beyond sacrificial gift to meet some specific needs for the church, for the, for the church to advance and fulfill its mission. So, awesome. I'm going to turn it over to Will. Awesome. So good. So, just to give you a quick overview of what the Fresh Campaign is going to look like. The next three weeks, we'll be highlighting different aspects of it than having a give day on May 19th. So if you want to give before then, that's great. But we just thought it'd be really cool to have like a celebratory day. We're actually going to do baptisms that day also. And on May 19th, just really celebrate and see how much comes in, which is going to be like a million dollars, I think. But because uh, we only need 300,000. Um, and then you can keep giving after that. But I want to just give you a quick outline of what the three uh, focuses of the Fresh Campaign are. So first is updating our media. If you see behind me, um, we're, the first thing is updating our media. The second is refreshing our church. And the third is renewing our community, uh, specifically re renewing our city, specifically through combating heroin. And I'm just going to touch on each of them really quick. And then next week we'll talk about the second two. On Mother's Day, we'll talk a lot about the opioid epidemic, and Robbie Dawkins is actually going to be here to speak. And then on May 19th, we'll do the baptisms and uh, the, the big give day. So check this out. Since 2017, we've had more than 87,000 views on our Facebook live stream. Now, when we very first started showing those, my mom would sit in the front row with her phone and record it. And there was this really arrogant, young, 20-year-old guy that told her that was so stupid, and I beat him up. It's me. Um, no. So my mom used to sit on the front row in Facebook Live, and I was like, Mom, no one, that's not a thing. Like, streaming, like, streaming was already going before that, but I was like, Facebook Live, like, that's a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is my public apology to you, okay? So we, yes. <laughs> You guys are clapping at my humility, right? Not the fact that I was wrong. All right, all right. So we really believe that there is things that are happening in this church that we want to represent well to people who can't actually be here every Sunday or people who live in other countries or who are out on the mission field or who move and still want to stay connected with what, what's happening right here. For instance, on a Sunday morning, you can't see what's happening on the screen because of the level of uh, quality and the level of equipment we have, we can't shift and we have one like home video camera that we stream everything through. So to get a legit setup, to take everything a step forward, we really wanna update our media. The second uh, phase, or the, the second focus is refreshing our church. So this building was built in 2004 and Van was leading the, the whole project and trying to figure out how we were going to decorate the church, how we were going to paint it. And he got his interior design crew together and said, look, go to Panera Bread, get their color palette, and that's what I want the church to look like. <laughs> So if you come in here and you start to ch uh, crave a broccoli cheddar bread bowl or a croissant or whatever, that's why, okay? But th that was really intentional. Qu 
um, Panera was new to our community at that point. We knew people would associate it with something fresh, something new. It was relevant. They'd spent thousands and thousands of dollars, probably millions, deciding their color palette. So we were just like, going to draft off of them. Well, to give you an update, Panera Bread is rebranded twice since 2004. So if they do it twice, we feel like, okay, it's our turn to at least do it once. But honestly, we have an amazing couple in the church who's, one's an architect, there's interior designer professionally, and they've been uh, partnering with me in this project, and they've helped us come up with an amazing palette and an amazing kind of new feel for the building. We'll be showing that to you next week. But on top of that, when it comes to updating media, the colors of the walls and the color of the room greatly impact photography and videography. If you know anything about photography and videography, you know that. And so we're not having any favors done to us with these bright walls. Now, the, the, third, the third focus of the campaign, is, of the Fresh campaign, is Renew in Our City. Who here has heard of the Quick Response Team? Okay, so several people. The Quick Response Team has seen a 70% reduction in heroin overdoses in Corian Township. Yeah, we can clap for that. This is what I want to say. We can see a city free from heroin. I really believe that. Jesus died for so much more than we're living in, okay? And I believe that the only way that other 30% is going to happen and that percent is going to happen in other cities is through Jesus. God inspires strategies, God inspires uh, governments and police officers, and we're going to have one of the founders of the Quick Response Team, Will Mueller, um, we're going to show an interview of him that I'm going to do in a couple weeks, but that's not enough. The kingdom and the church, and we have to stand up and we're eyes up and say, not in our city, and we can. And so we're 10% of whatever we raise is going to organiza organizations like the Quick Response Team and Recovery Houses and things like that. Um, no matter if we get 1 million, like I just prophesied, just kidding, I was just joking. But no matter if we get 1 million, that's 100 grand going to that. If we get 10,000, that's 1,000. If we get 300,000, that's 30,000. You, you get the picture. We're committed to, uh, to seeing our community transformed. So, um, I'd, I'd encourage you I, on your way out, make sure you make a point of grabbing one of these from the greeters. This is a card that kind of explains what we're doing, breaks it down in more detail, but then make sure you're here the next several weeks and on May 19th as we uh, present and finish up this, this exciting new initiative, all right? So will you guys just stand with me and, and grab hands and let's just pray to kick this off. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that you are good. I just speak your goodness over this room. I speak your goodness over family in this room. I pray, God, that this morning um, you begin to just stir in our hearts how we're supposed to participate. Just like Jim said, our hearts are yours. So we don't want to do more than you say. We don't want to do less than you say. We want to be in step with you. So, Father, I just release your vision into every person's heart for this, um, this project. Release into my heart increasing, Lord. And I pray your blessing over every family here. And we just do say that we believe Coleraine and Cincinnati can be the first heroin-free city in Cincinnati. Not by us. It's not something that I can control, but it's because you paid for so much. You conquered death. You conquered sin. You conquered darkness, Lord. So we bless our city in Jesus' name. We bless our community. And we just say... We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat, yeah. All right, we're coming to an exciting part of our service. 
Uh, Dan Smoker is our facility supervisor. And in a moment, I'm going to have Dan and Lil come up here, and we're going to interview them about an event in their lives a little over a year ago. And it, it was um, on March 3rd, 2018. Dan was hiking at Castle Rock, Colorado with his 13-year-old grand, grandson, Eli. And uh, Dan had a fall. And he fell from somewhere between 20 and 25 feet. To give you perspective, this wall, the best I can figure, is it's in the range of 25, between 20 to 25 feet, somewhere in that range. And so fell from that down to rocks below. And uh, it was an amazing work of God that Dan is here today and alive and healthy and smiling. So uh, we're, we're going to have Dan a little up here in a moment. And just one more thing. As, as you watch this video, um, keep your eyes open for the, the man in the blue shirt, okay? Look for the man in the blue shirt. We'll tell you about him later, all right? So let's run the video. Nine one one. What's the address of the emergency? Uh, Castle Rock. The actual rock. Somebody just fell off uh, one of the rocks and from really far. Okay. Hang on, just a second. Are you with the patient? Yes. Someone's got to. I'm not kidding. Uh, we've hurry. got we've got the fire department on the way. I just need okay. you to answer my question so we can help them a little before they get there. Okay? Yep. All right. What's your name? Christian. Where did he fall to? He fell like from a rock onto another like from the rock to to like a pathway. Just reassure him that help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Do not move him unless he's in danger. We're just holding his head up. Da and, okay. And, and do not. Still. Okay. Do not move him unless it's absolutely necessary. Just tell him to be still and wait for help to arrive. Everybody say a prayer. Hey, pray, dude. Real. Come on, Dan. His eyes are starting to roll. You tell me if you tell me if anything changes. If he goes unconscious or stops breathing, you let me know so we can start CPR, okay? Come on, Dan. His eyes are shutting a little more. Come okay. on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. My parents have uh, always loved coming out here to, to visit us. My dad is very active. Uh, he really likes to, to get outdoors and do hikes and that kind of thing. You know, when we moved out here and kind of fell in love with the outdoor lifestyle, with Dan's parents being older, we didn't know like what would they want to do. And they both are always ready to hike, ready to climb. My wife and I uh, celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. They had called and asked if we would come out and and watch the kids while they went to California. When I called them in December and asked them to come out and stay with our kids, he started planning to hike Castle Rock that, that day. It's not a hard hike, but it's not easy when you get, when you have to start bouldering. And I heard what sounded like a slip of a shoe, and I turned around to see my grandpa falling to the ground. I didn't know you know, if he had survived or not, because he hit a rock and then kind of rolled into um, a crevice in between the rock and, and kind of a, a boulder. Mike runs over there, and my older brother runs over there, and me and my little brother are trying to worry about the, the 911 call. Dan's eyes actually rolled to the back of his head, 
and, and I had my hand on his pulse the whole time. And I won't ever forget, it, it basically stopped. We were yelling around, does anyone know CPR? There was maybe seven of us on the mountain, um, and none of us knew CPR. Um, and I remember the gentleman across from me that was also holding Dan, um, he says, you gotta do something, man. I said, I don't, I don't know CPR. He says, well, you, you gotta try. Mike was giving him, trying to give him chest compressions, and you know, we didn't even know if that was gonna work. I gave him my best. I, I put both my hands together and, and tried to um, pump on his chest the best that I could. Um, and it was by a miracle or grace of God, whatever you want to call it, that um, he, he was able to come back to at least convulsing again. I felt like it was an hour by the time I called to the time the ambulance actually got there. But looking back, I looked at my call log, it took them only 11 minutes, which was pretty incredible that they you know, got up on top of a cliff that quickly. They did such a good job um, and really let them take over. They put a neck brace on my grandpa and then they slide a stretcher under him and they carry him around the rock to the truck that they drove up. You know, I'd be lying if I didn't think that as soon as he got in the ambulance, he was gonna die. So kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the nine and nine. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you.
shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. Let's welcome Dan and Lil to the stage, okay? Stand up, stand up and welcome them. They love you. Thanks. Well, did you see at the very end, there, there was a cross right where Dan fell. And I believe that was natural. No one made that, right? That, that... Yes, that's just a natural thing right, right there on the uh, yeah. side of the map. I think we're not on here, Dan. Let me, let me I get to turn it on. Oh. Oddly enough, when the light's off, it's on. There you go. Is it on now? Yeah. Yes, it's on now. Yeah, good, good. Um, you know, what, what an experience, and to watch that video and to see the triumph of you coming home, that's an amazing thing. What was that moment like for you? Um, it was very touching. It just uh, really brought home to us. Uh, we weren't expecting a crowd when we got home, but uh, it just meant so much, and it, and it just reminded us of... Uh, the strength and community of church, of family, and all the, all the people that were praying for us all that time. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a good way to come home. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hear Lil's reflections on that. What was it like coming home and seeing that crowd there, Lil? It was totally overwhelming. I mean, I just, uh, 
it, it was hard to describe that that many people took time out in the middle of the day and came to see it, just to welcome us home. And, uh, you know, just the week before we, uh, before the accident, I ran across a verse that I haven't really paid much attention to in a while. And it hit me in a new way. And it was 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can tr comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And that's exactly what all of you were doing as you were praying for us and welcome us home. That's great. Thank you. Dan, um, Dan doesn't re have any recollection of the accident or like set, he lost like seven days after the accident. But when you did come back um, into conscious memory and they began to explain to you through bits and pieces what had happened, at a heart level, what was your reaction? Well, the first thing I remember, and like I said, I was, I was in a comatose state for seven, eight days. And the first thing I remember was Chris, my daughter, uh, she just kind of uh, stood beside me and said, Dad, do you know what happened? And uh, of course, it was slowly dawning on me at that point. And, and at that point, um, you know, my children all kind of explained to me what, what happened and what was going on. I think it, it took three or four days before I really grasped it at all. And, uh, but, uh, can, can I ask a question? Can I just say, can I just hold it right there? Okay. okay. Yeah, there. Almost touch your chin with it. Is there that better? Go. That's Sorry. it. Okay. That's it. Okay. So, Dan, so, a, lot, a lot of people would come out of that and they'd say, why me? You know, God, where were you? Did you have any thoughts like that? Um, in a way, yes. I, I think at one point I, I did just say to God, why didn't, why didn't you just take me home? This, this was such a drastic event and so on. And I couldn't quite figure out with, with all that had happened well, why God had saved me at that point. And shortly after that, he, uh, he just put a picture in front of me of my son Eli and 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 he just said I couldn't do that to Eli mm -hmm. you know I, I love him very much and and he wasn't ready for this mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, and I, I just think <laughs> uh, you know we have a great God mm -hmm. uh, and and it just overwhelmed me at that point you know yeah and uh, and I think it, it helped Eli to heal at that point, too. So. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, hearing God speak brings healing. Can you pass the mic to Lil? And I want to say this, Eli, aren't you so proud of him, the way he came in through the video? He's just speaking clearly on, mm -hmm. on this terrible event that happened, and, and he's able to speak into the camera so clearly. That's really mm -hmm. an exceptional mm -hmm. young man. Yeah. Lil, you weren't with them. Tell us about how you heard about the accident and when you realized how serious it was. Um, Ava and I stayed at the house while they went up to the mountain, which 
and the whole process was a miracle in itself that everybody that was up there was up there at that moment. But um, Danny called me and told me that, he just said, so mom, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. And I said, it looks like mom, uh, dad and Eli are having a great time up on the mountain. I said, they just sent a selfie and they were just so happy. And he said, yeah, they were. They said, but grandpa fell and we're sending him to the hospital. Um, at that point, and he said, a friend of theirs is picking me up to go to the hospital because I didn't have a vehicle. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, maybe a broken leg or some scratches or whatever. And I thought, we can handle that. And uh, on the way there, she, this friend, Aaron, drove past the hospital that I knew was very close. And I said, well, why didn't we, they just take him there? And she says, well, the other hospital is a better hospital. I said, okay. I thought, well, maybe it's a little bit more than a broken leg. But once I got there, Eli was in the waiting room by himself because uh, EM, uh, the um, guys uh, had gone to get some food for Danny, I mean, for Eli. And um, so I sat and talked to Eli for a while. And then I went over to... Um, the person at the receptionist desk and asked if I could go see him now. And um, that's when it really hit me that it is bad because she said, um, no, you can't. No, you can't go in right now because the whole trauma team is working on him. So I knew it was a whole lot more than just a broken leg or some scratches. Um, and it just, um, I was pretty much in shock. So a lot of what happened after that, the first couple days, I don't really remember a whole lot of, um, yeah, and our kids from Cincinnati came right away. The next morning they were all there and they actually made sure that somebody was with him 24-7. So that was, gave us a lot of peace. Mm -hmm. Lil, would you, if, you, if you're okay doing it, would you tell us, recount all the injuries? Because I'm sure everybody here doesn't know. Okay. Um, yeah, he had a few injuries. He had a broken pelvis that was separated, so it caused internal injuries. Uh, he had a broken pelvis, a broken femur. 10 broken ribs, broken neck, uh, fractured lower lumbars, and some brain bleeds. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. let's, let's start right in on the miracles, okay? How about, tell us about the brain bleed, Lil, because you were awake then and Dan was not. So, right. yeah, you, you can tell that part. <laughs> it was one of the first couple days I kind of lost track of time, but... Um, he developed a second brain bleed, which really we were very disappointed in because we thought we were making a few steps forward. And uh, so when they did the CAT scan, they discovered the second brain bleed. And I, uh, you know, it was pretty hard. But the next day, the nurse that came in in the evening, she says, has anybody talked to you about the this brain bleed, and we said no, and she told Sarah, Sarah, come over here, and it was on the computer, she said, come over here and read what the doctor put in, and um, 
That's when Sarah read it and it didn't make any sense to her because it was doctor jargon. And she said, he is telling you that there is no medical explanation for that brain bleed to just be gone. Mm -hmm. But it was in mm -hmm. 24 <laughs> hours. Awesome, so. awesome. Yeah. And th that nurse then told us we, um, I don't know who you're praying to, but keep it up because it's working. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Dan, when, when you hear like Lil's story, um, how's that impact you emotionally? I know as a husband, you know, I'm very protective of my wife and I hate to think of her hurting, but uh... <laughs> you, <laughs> thank you, Lil. You know, I think, I think maybe that was the hardest part for me because, um, you know, I was just laying there. I was being well taken care of. And I think the hard part, she had it much harder than I did. Uh, you, you know, this mm -hmm. was a real emotional strain on her. And, and she was thrown in with, you know, she had, had all the responsibility. She was responsible to, to set up all my care and to make sure all the bills were paid and and mm -hmm. all the things that that had to be done during that time too just suddenly um you know she was responsible for it all so yeah. um you know if anything i didn't feel bad for myself i felt bad for her <laughs> so yeah um, yeah but you know uh we had over 50 years marriage behind us, wow. and so, wow. so I think we had learned how how to deal with adverse situations like that, and yeah. uh, and I think we were, we dealt with it pretty well. I think. I think you did. Yeah, I think you did. Dan, there was a point at which you were inspired to press through your recovery. Would you mind telling us about that? Yeah, this was about, uh, I think it was about the second week in the rehab hospital. Um, my granddaughter FaceTimed us and um, they had just become engaged. She had just become mm -hmm. engaged. And uh, they had wedding plans for uh, July, I think it was. And at that point, it just, uh, I said, I'm gonna dance at her wedding. I don't care if I have to do it in a wheelchair. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. But it, it just it gave me a real incentive to to work hard on my therapy. I I always tried to do just a little beyond what the therapist was urging me to do. Yeah. And 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 I did dance at her wedding. Yes, you did. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. Don't you want to watch the video again now just so you can go through that and realize what was happening there? That's sweet. That's so good. Um, Lil, you were, you were interacting with the nurses. Would you share just with us some of their observations and some of the things that they, that they um, said? Mm-hmm. When he was in rehab, um, and of course we had amazing prayer warriors, including a lot of you in this room, and a lot of people were sending cards and notes and uh, gift cards, lots of Panera cards, which was wonderful. Um, but the nurses would like to come into his room because they felt like 
they could just feel the peace in that room. And uh, they would read this card. They would go over to the walls just to read the cards and the encouragement that all of you had left with us. And one nurse, as she pushed him into his room, this was before he was walking, and she would just stood behind his wheelchair. She said, it's just so peaceful in here. And she said, and I see a circle around him. And I said, well, what, what is it? What kind of circle are you talking about? And I said, was it like a spirit or was it Jesus? She said, that's it. She said, I can see it all around him. Mm, mm. So... Um, everything you did for us, you didn't just do for us, you did for the, the staff at the, at the, in the ICU and in rehab. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And we don't, we don't believe God causes things like this, but when they happen, he, he turns them on their head and what the devil intended for ill, he uses for good. And so people get blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Dan, um, you, they started out calling you the broken man, and nurses, I think, have a tendency to give, pe- give names just so they can deal with it emotionally themselves, but it wasn't long till they started calling you the miracle man. Yeah. I, uh, talk, talk about this. How that makes you feel when you hear that? <laughs> well, it, yeah, and I was a miracle man. You know, uh, you saw me walk up here a, a year ago. I wasn't even, a, I was still learning how to walk, you know, I couldn't even walk yet. And uh, there's just so many things have happened that that are inexplainable to a natural mm-hmm. sense, uh, you know, uh, and we're, we're just so grateful f- to God for, for the way he works. Uh, you know, the many miracles, I mean, there was more than one miracle, uh, you know, just, uh, the miracle that he kept me alive to begin with, the 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 miracle in my recovery was was unprecedented. Um, the when I when I was first in in ICU, the first day or two, I was known as a broken man. Um, I think it was by the third day or so, the doctors and everyone was calling me the miracle man. <laughs> That's so sweet. So, yeah. so we, awesome. have a, we have a, a good, great God. Yes. Dan, <laughs> so. can you tell us, um, just share with us, what was the hardest part of the recovery for you? You can hold that just a little closer. Um, I think that, you know, like I said before, you know, I... Just because of all the prayers going up, I I had a tremendous sense of peace throughout that whole time. I I don't think there was a, in one of the interviews later on, somebody asked me if I ever felt like just uh, busting my fist through a wall, you know, and saying why did this happen? And you know, I I don't think I ever had those feelings, and uh, I think. Naturally, I probably would have, but I think because of all the prayers that were going up, uh, lifting me up every day, uh, you know, I just had a sense of peace through the whole thing, mm-hmm. knowing that, that God was there and, and 
that he had rescued me. That's awesome. Lil, will you talk about family and how, how important that was to you? And you have your children and grandchildren down here. Um, talk about the importance of that in the whole process, please. Yeah. Um, it was, we were just so amazed at how they just all reached out. And like I say, the, our son and daughter from here were back in Colorado, um, within 24 hours and the grand, most of the grandchildren were out there. They'd spend the night with him, as you saw a couple of them spending the night with him. Um, and it was, I think what we found out is it's so important to talk about it, cry about it, laugh, even at hard times, you can always find something funny that he said when he didn't know he was saying it. Uh, <laughs> But we had a lot of laughs on that, which it helped us through. And um, then for the, our first anniversary, um, we decided that we really need to be together, which was on a Sunday. So we all got together at our house for brunch, FaceTime Dan and Sarah and the family, and we spent like 90 minutes just being there, supporting each other. Um, just being there for each other, talking about good things and hard things. And then um, this summer, we actually, for Christmas, we gave the kids a vacation in Colorado, and we will have a house on a small ranch, and we're going to actually walk, hike back up to the rock with the rescuers and the new friends we made out in Colorado, because we feel like that is... In order to recover, you have to face things head on. And uh, that's what we have chosen to do. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, I just want to say right now that I think there's some people here listening that need to, need to apply that in, in this respect, that there's nothing worth holding a grudge against a family member over. It's no good. Just let it go. Just release it. If you have a family member you haven't spoken to for years or someone that hurt you or wounded you, and, uh, and, and I realize there are some deep, deep wounds that happen, especially if it's an adult offending a child, but, but if, if, if there's just, just relational issues over disagreements and things like that, release and forgive and call them today because we all need our families. So, uh, Lil, talk, just tell us real briefly, we're running out of time here, about the man in the blue shirt. Do you want to tell? You want to tell that, Dan? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think if you're paying attention, you notice the uh, man in the blue shirt on the video. And uh, that's been somewhat of a mystery to us. Uh, we, uh, in fact, at Danny put it out on Twitter. You know, we were trying to identify who that was. Uh, the the other six people that were around, the, the McCaffreys and Michael Mann and, and Chris and Tiffany, said they didn't notice him until about the time the life squad got there. Um, and he was just kind of standing back, observing everything. and. Then he did help carry some supplies out. He helped uh, carry this, the stretcher at one point. And uh, 
and nobody ever, it, he wasn't part of a life squad. No, nobody ever knew who he was. And uh, we, we talked to Chris and Tiffany about it uh, one time when we, were, we had dinner with them. And Tiffany uh, just kind of told us that um, they all went, you know, with a, with a stretcher out to the ambulance. And at that point, um, the EMTs left and, and they all started back down the trail to the parking lot. And he said, all of a sudden, he just disappeared. He wasn't anywhere around. So mm -hmm. um, we don't know at this point, but I think, I think it was an angel. Mm -hmm. um, we have no other explanation for it. Yeah, that's a good so, conclusion so, there, Dan. That's good. So, and Tiffany um, is the one that prayed for you the second time you stopped breathing. Tiffany is the one that, yeah, she's the one that prayed after, when I stopped breathing the second time. Yeah. She, uh, she just started praying and said, God, I don't think uh, this is Dan's time to go. And, and just prayed that, that I would start breathing again. And that that point I I reached my hand up and touched her hand and uh, and started breathing again and uh, they said my breathing was fine until you know from that point on mm -hmm. that's so. so awesome well um, we're so thankful so we're so thankful that you're here thankful for you as a couple uh, your marriage over the years stands as a, a great example to all of us and um just your faith in going through this is amazing. It's just amazing. We're going to pray for Dan and Lil right now. And then we're going to end our service by singing the song that was on the video, Reckless Love. And that, that became very special to Dan uh, during this. I think that line, um, I want to say there ain't mo no mountain high enough, but that's, that's a different song, isn't it? Yeah. You'll climb any mountain coming after me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't, ain't no mountain you won't climb. Something like that. So um, we're going to pray for Dan and Lil. Family, come on up and join us. And uh, Will, Lori, st other staff want to come up here and join us with that. That's great. Worship team is going to come out now. And then at the end of this prayer, we're going to worship together. I recommend you come down front. Come down, uh, down under the spout where the glory comes out. As somebody put once. And um, just open your heart up. I believe God's going to free people here today as we worship from long-term fears of accidents and from long-term fears of death and from long-term fears of relational failure that ends up with you being alone. Okay, so let's all stand. Stan, you might want to raise your, hold your hands out here. Where's Jeff? Okay, Jeff, I prayed for them the first service and blessed them. Do you want to pray this time? Sure. Okay, please. Uh, God, um, we just are exceptionally thankful for um, being able to be here today with Dad and uh, that you didn't take him that day. Um, we thank you for uh, the way that you displayed uh, yourself that day, um, both caring for him and caring for our family. And uh, we just thank you that um, we can all look at that and... Uh, know that that was your hand and uh, you intended that for us to be able to see you, uh, for us to experience you, and uh, you intended for us to feel that comfort. And so we thank you for that. And uh, I just pray your continued 
uh, blessing on dad and his continued recovery. And uh, we lift these things up to you and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks. Come on to the front. Let's worship. Come on to the front. Let's worship.